0: Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode 25 of our study on the Holy Spirit and just about anything that wraps itself around the topic of the triune God. Emily, thank you for being with us today.
1: Always glad to be here. Yeah,
0: and and it's not like it's, you know, thank you for being here like you haven't been and I'm kind of <laughs> twisting your arm and manipulating you. No, this is uh, uh, Mama and the Rev. And I know on our podcast, it still has a picture and it's still titled something different, but it's coming. We're working on some walk-up music and now I'm just teasing, but uh, no, thank you're you. not. <laughs> We're we're really having some fun on this. We really enjoy doing it. Um, and I do
1: think we have to quit saying study.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I think we're we've moved more into discussion.
0: <laughs> yeah, well,
1: <laughs> although we are studying.
0: <laughs> yes, we 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 are, and we hope that you're studying alongside of us too. Uh, obviously, today uh, we're going to look into uh, some passion scriptures uh, centered around um, Jesus' last days. I want to look at John chapter 13, and, and let me just set the stage for us on start, on John chapter 13. John chapter 13 uh, is the beginning of Jesus' private ministry with his disciples. If you divide the uh, book of John, his gospel, into two sections, you can see a difference between, a contrast between the first half, where it talks about his public ministry, And the second half, where it talks about his private ministry, his public ministry is when he's with the crowds, with the people out in the cities, in the countrysides, Uh, you see the healings, you see... Uh, the feeding of the uh, 5,000, you see the majority of those I am statements that I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd. You see I am the resurrection in the life in John chapter 11 when Lazarus is raised from the dead. The difference between the two sections is just not on the location, whether he's out there or in the upper room. It is also this theme of my hour has not yet come and my hour is at hand. And you see this conversation starting in the wedding of Cana, when Jesus told his mother, You know, woman, what do you have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? You know, my hour has not yet come. I think my mother would have backhanded me so quickly. And I would say, Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. You know, oh, but,
1: my oldest refers to me as woman. And I said, Excuse me. And he said, That's what Jesus
0: calls his mother. Yeah.
1: And I said, You're not Jesus.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Bo, I'm going to just remind you of those other things that Jesus says too. So let's just kind of focus on those. That's right. I have teenage kids as well. So, we look into this, this private ministry and, and what John does is he gives us what the other disciple of the other uh, gospel writers don't give us. It, it, he gives us a little bit of what's going on inside of Jesus. So John chapter 13, this private ministry.
1: I love that. Let me, I can I interrupt yeah. you for just a second? I love the, th- the thought of the public and the private ministry that Even when the so-called lights are off and Jesus isn't on the stage, isn't in the front of a crowd, that he's still ministering behind closed doors to those closest to him. That's just really, I mean, what a picture of how we live and what we're supposed to do and how we're called to live out our faith, not just when we think people are watching, but behind closed doors. With our within our families and our our close inner circles that that's just wow Thank, thanks for saying that <laughs> well
0: that actually points to something else in addition to that i mean that i had never thought of also you could take public private and personal there were times that Jesus is in the mountains or a desolate place where he's praying where yeah. he's alone and those three together i mean you could there is a there's a wealth of information, a wealth of application that we can learn from that, that I have never heard anybody else uh, write about. And and that is...
1: Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <that's>, Coming soon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <that's> spot on. <laughs> so here, here's Jesus. And, and John he pulls away the curtain to what is going on inside of Jesus. And John chapter 13, verse one says, Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Before Jesus actually has his first spoken word about the significance of what he's doing, he has an action. He has an action that gets their attention. Can you imagine all the things that are plaguing the disciples' minds at this moment? Jesus, his 12 disciples, including Judas, his 12 disciples are in this room. And he has, he knows, maybe they have some inkling. He, ha, he knows that there is so much he wants to tell them but through the lens of what they are actually feeling and what they're actually experiencing and what they're the messages of Satan that are going on inside of their minds and 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 stuff, I mean he knows that what he says is going to be filtered through all of those personal feelings and personal experiences. And here's Jesus in this room with 12 other men who are plagued with so many different um, feelings and fears. I mean, what would Judas be thinking right now? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, when is that time I'm going to leave? What's Peter I mean, going to do to he's, me?
1: He's decided, right? So, I mean, I mean, I just think that Judas had to feel so uncomfortable. Yes. I mean, because Jesus keeps saying, one of you is going to betray me. So he's already calling him out. He's already saying, hey, I know what you're about to do. And the fact that Judas still has the courage to do it, it yeah. <laughs> is mind-boggling to me.
0: How about James and John? Yeah. Who their mother... Was the one who in Matthew's gospel, of course, John's not going to write about this. I mean, this might be a little bit uh, too close and mama's he boy. This sk- part. Yeah. But Matthew says, Hey, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, when your kingdom comes, James and John's mother said, When your kingdom comes, can you put one on your left and one on your right? And would you do that for me? You know, so, Mama's
1: got to do what a Mama's got to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, we just trying try, we just trying to help our children, <laughs> and y'all. Some of y'all need your Mama's help.
0: <laughs> so, so here is this this filter that uh, they have to overcome that filter, or at least self reflect that they're going to hear through that. Or Peter, who just recently uh, had said, you know, uh, I'm going to. I'm going to go to the death for you. I'm with you. I'm all this. No way. You know, there's this impetuousness, or or Philip, or um, uh, who was just in the end of the last chapter approached by Greeks, has said, "Hey, we want to speak to Jesus. Can you make that happen?" And so, all of these different or Matthew thinking about the nobody likes me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm the outcast. I'm, yeah. and there's probably a little bit uh, that I get I get a little bit of this outcast feeling from. Um, you know Bartholomew and Nathaniel and uh, all these different people, and certainly if everybody else is doing, certainly Jesus, you feel this way against me too and uh, towards me too, and 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 not only that. What about the fear of what's about to happen? They have heard Jesus speak about, hey, I'm going to get, bet- I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to, you know, be arrested. Are we going to be arrested too? Yeah. Jesus lives into this. I don't know who said this first, but he's living into a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. And so before he speaks one word, he has to get their attention. And before he gets their attention, John gives us a glimpse of why he's doing it. Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. I mean, there is something phenomenal about that. I mean, just just looking at those two phrases, having loved them, he's loving them and he will love them to the end. Hmm. What hits you when you hear that? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, why me?
1: Because, well, it says he showed them the full extent of his love. So what's going to happen? And see, in this moment right here, as this chapter begins, these, like, they have no idea what that means. No. They think that they've seen him love people and change people. And, I, I mean, can oh, my gosh, this is just to think about it, I mean, what they thought they knew about the goodness and the love and him fulfilling the prophecies and fulfilling the law, what they had known their whole lives and to, to be about to experience even more, that full extent of his love was about to be put on display.
0: There is no doubt in my mind that what Jesus does here at the very beginning by washing the disciples' feet was a mechanism that he was using that really wanted to get their attention. Yeah. It, it 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 was a modern day parable. Mm-hmm. I mean, for him to live into a parable, you know, he spoke parables, they're earthly stories with heavenly meanings. I mean, they misunderstood what the whole idea, and he would tell them, he would explain this. But it was to set the stage to get them to a point where they would be able to hear all the things that they he was going to teach them over the next couple chapters. I mean, things about the Holy Spirit, yeah. things about this place that he is going to prepare, and then that they would be with him. Things about peace, this peace not as the world gives, but as he gives. This differentiation between the two. I mean, things about servanthood and service. What about the new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you? This modeling. And so I think it would have been difficult for all of these disciples to hear what Jesus was about to teach them if he did not get their attention first.
1: Right, because we want to think about these grown men thinking, acknowledging, and knowing the weight of what they had been a part of. That anytime that when they entered, because we know this, we know how this is going to work out. So, when we think of Jesus and the disciples entering into the upper room, don't you just get this this picture of um, <laughs> the, they're monks, <laughs> they've got their hands folded, they're very prayerful, they're very they're in this you know meek posture, that they're quiet, that they're contemplative, that they're really just trying to soak in these last few moments with Jesus.
0: (laughs) No, there was a little bit of rambunctiousness.
1: That's that's not what's happening. (laughs) And I mean, it's like a locker room. Yeah. They're going into their locker room.
0: <laughs> yeah, They're going in there and, and they're all bringing their own anxieties to that. And their We're,
1: own personalities yes. and their own, you know, loudness and their own insecurities. They're all coming in there and with the same thoughts of well, why didn't I get to speak? Yeah. Or, why didn't he choose me to pass out the food today? I mean, <laughs> just these things that keeps and God, Peter is so annoying. I wish you would shut up. I mean, all <laughs> <laughs> of these things that we, we aren't necessarily privy to, but it's not this holy moment when they first come in.
0: There's a great point that you're making here, and I want to just kind of celebrate this for a second and, and zero in. We've got to give permission for ourselves to see the humanity of each person, and at the same, yeah. same time... I mean, when we re- we talked about David before, we've talked about Elijah before, we talked about Ezekiel, we've talked about so many different people, and Peter, all these different people, but. We want to project upon them that, oh, it must have been easy then. Yeah. It is not easy. It it was not any different than it is for us. And at the same time, it was in that place where humanity and brokenness was so accepted and real that a holy moment happened.
1: Amen. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> Our broken world. Everything that happens now. Yeah. And we live after Easter.
0: We are post-Easter people, as you say, and that is so true. We, as children of God, have this invitation to see our moments as holy moments. Amen. As God giving us these moments where we can experience I mean, it's transformational. That this will be the thing 60 years later that that John focuses uh, a lot of his real estate in his book on is these final moments with Jesus and all the things that Jesus wanted to teach them. Yeah. And it all began with an action. Yeah. With an action.
1: It most certainly got their
0: attention. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I mean, so Jesus, not speaking a word, takes off his outer cloak knowing who he was. I mean, Mm -hmm. verses three and four. Oh, and before we do, John is very intentional about this in verse two. Look, during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and then he began to wash his disciples' feet. The contrast there that John intentionally puts in there is Judas. You have this contrast between Jesus, who is laying down his life for the benefit of others, and Judas, who is trying to grab a hold of his life at the expense of others. Yeah. At the expense of others. And you have this story that's played out. The only motivation that that John gives is he wants to show his love. Yeah. He wants to show Jesus wants to show he's just motivated by his love. He knew who he was. He yeah. knew where he was going. He knew where he had come from. I mean, if you think about that. It was not an afterthought in Jesus' mind thinking, man, at this moment, it would be really cool if I just washed their feet. Just imagine what would be, you know, what, I mean, it was, it was not a forgetfulness of who Jesus knew he was. I mean, it just, he didn't like have a, a brief moment of insanity where he uh, forgot who he was and, you know, oh, wait a minute, I'm God, uh, you know, the son of God, I'm the incarnate God. I, I should not be doing this. No, it was with all intention. He washes the disciples' feet, fully aware, knowing his authority, who was against him, where he was going, and who he was. He laid it aside.
1: Yeah, not as an afterthought. Because it's not like even he came to earth not knowing how it was going to play out. He didn't say, I'm going to go down and see what I can work out and see if I can, you know, shape this up and get things in order here, get things back on track, and then, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, he came knowing what the sacrifice was going to be.
0: The washing of the disciples' feet was, in a nutshell, a dramatic illustration of his entire ministry. It seems to be unfolding here that Jesus was living out a parable in front of him of of what his ministry was founded upon and what he was going to expect from his disciples in the future.
1: And it's not really even an act that we can fully comprehend and fully understand. No. Well, and, and we don't, because first of all, we don't do that. <laughs> That's not a part of our, maybe it should be. <laughs> I mean, I probably should wash my children's feet before they come in the house (laughs) (laughs) because Lord only knows where they've been. Um, But anybody that has ever done this, been in a service or been in a small group setting, that that this has been done? Because years ago, we talked about this in Sunday school, and there were some people in the class who had attended a church in another state years before coming to St. Paul that they were like, Oh, we did this one time <laughs> and we were like, Oh, what was that like? And they were like, It was awful. And I was like, Why is it awful? And he was like the humility and the uncomfortableness of being like, No, 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 don't don't touch my feet. <laughs> don't no, no, don't look at my feet. I cover those up. You know, just having that uncomfortableness of and what is it about being so vulnerable? With someone who is kneeling before you, washing your feet. Why are we so vulnerable in that moment? Van this week um, at school, and he goes to a Catholic school, so this wasn't a, a public school. <laughs> um, but it being, you know, it's, it, for us, it's the week before spring break, and we're missing Holy Week at school. And so yesterday, they had to, they washed each other's feet in their religion class. And he knew it was coming all week. And he said to me one night, he was like, I don't want to do this. And I was like, "Van, I understand it's weird. Yeah, you don't want some other random seventh grader washing your feet. I get it, buddy. I get it. I mean, unless it's your best buddy, you know, what if some weird know. girl gets your feet? I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, what, what if some girl, period, touches your feet, has to take your sock off? Oh, this is disgusting. And now I'm worried. But, you know... That thought to him, he was so nervous about it. He really was nervous. And so, I mean, it gave us an opportunity to talk. And I said, but, buddy, that's the point. That's what your teacher is trying to show you, how uncomfortable you are about having to do this. Now, Jesus wasn't uncomfortable, but those other 12, when they realized the moment what was going on, oh, Mm. that was— very shaking to them. Do you that think, was.
0: Do you think any of them were any were thinking about you know Judas at that time? Do you think any of them were thinking about the fears of the the Jewish leaders and them? You know what Jesus? I bet you just for that moment they actually started to forget about those outside things and they were focusing. Hey Jesus man, this ain't right. I got to tell you, <laughs> oh. this this is not. I'm you know of course. Peter's the only one who speaks up, and he is probably a couple things going through his mind. He's watching this out, Jesus. This is not your place. Yeah, there, we have people for that. Yeah, okay. This, 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 I should be washing your feet. I mean, that's even us. You know? This ragtag group yeah. that
1: wanders from town to town. Yeah. We even have people that would do this
0: for us. <laughs> yeah, and, and think and think what Peter said. This thing, he's already setting up a pecking order. Yeah, and I know, you know, Bartholomew, he's going to wash my feet. Yeah. You know, he, he needs to wash my feet. And Matthew's probably someone, you know, as a tax collector, he's going to be washing everybody else's feet. He'll be, the, no one's going to wash his feet. Yeah. Or, uh, whoever it was, it could be. But you started this competitiveness of of a pecking order that's going up. No, you shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing this and others should be doing this to me. Yeah. You know, so there's this tension of what I deserve and what you shouldn't be doing. And I want to show you. And, and he's probably getting a little frustrated at all his his brothers there in that room thinking, man, why aren't you all speaking up? This ain't, how many times did Peter sigh? Uh,
1: mm, uh <laughs> Somebody, you know, uh, he's looking at John going, are you gonna stop him?
0: <laughs> are you gonna do something? Come on. I can't believe nobody is saying anything.
1: Yeah. Well, and when Peter stops Jesus, you know, don't do, you can't watch my feet. This is not a job for you. You can't do this. He doesn't say, I should be washing your feet either.
0: No, he doesn't.
1: Say, cause he the not, the he not only says, <laughs> you shouldn't be washing my feet. I shouldn't be washing any of y'all's feet. I'm not going to wash yours either, buddy. <laughs> I mean, even he then, it's not like he even sees himself. That's too low of even a job for him to do for Jesus.
0: It comes across as backhanded humility, it's yeah. like I want to I want to show everybody that I'm human I I'm humble and I have a little bit of humility. So I'm going to say, "Jesus, you shouldn't be doing this." Yeah. Where, you know, he still what's left unsaid is, you know, <laughs> neither should I be doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not doing that I'm not going to do that either. But notice what happens here when G- when he responds. What does he say? What does Peter what does Jesus say back? How does Jesus respond?
1: You don't even know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I am do you do not know now. But afterwards, you'll understand. And then Peter pushes the point. You shall, what are we, it's the word that we, I I do not allow in my house. Never, always. We're not ever going to say ever or never or uh, always. You always act this way or you never empty the dishwasher or anything mm-hmm. like we're just not. But here's Peter. You will never wash my feet. What, did he have a sore on his toe? Did he only have nine toes and he was embarrassed by it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Did he stop, Did he walk through donkey pooping? <laughs> Can I say that? He was a little embarrassed. <laughs> Here's what Jesus, don't miss this. If I do not wash you, okay, Peter, you're going to have an option here. It's on you. If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Of course, (laughs) flying, the pendulum flies to the opposite end. Here comes this backhanded humility. (laughs) Peter being Peter. Yeah. Well, you shall not just wash my feet and wash my hands and head and all over. And here's where the dialogue gets a little muddy. Maybe, Emily, you want to comment on this. I I don't know how to interpret or where we go from this, but there's some implications here of where you can go. He says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash. Okay? So what he's talking about here is dirty feet. (laughs) Okay? He's talking about (laughs) dirty feet. Context. Except for his feet. Okay? So the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. And you are clean. Has he changed it? Is he still talking about dirtiness there? But then he says, but not all of you. But not every one of you are clean. I think he's changing. <clears throat> <Judas>. Yeah. So. <laughs> So here's, this I think is why John brings up Judas at the beginning, at least one of the reasons, not only to show the stark contrast between Judas and Jesus, but I think he brings them up here to give a little bit of explanation of what was going on at this point here. Not every one of you, Jesus in 25 words has changed the context from dirt on a feet, dirt on a feet, <laughs> dirt, on, <laughs> dirt on Peter's foot to... Something else. He's talking about sinfulness.
1: Yeah. See, I've never, I've, I have never ever read this this way before. So, I mean, I'm over here learning.
0: Okay. What's your gut tell you?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, and maybe it's as a mom, or maybe it's as a human being who likes to be clean. Um, a person who has had a bath needs only. To wash his feet because the whole body's already clean. I mean, I find that to be false. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, well, we're not
0: wearing sandals yeah, and we're I not, was. yeah, we get that.
1: Yeah, but it's hot and dusty over there. Yeah. Th- and they wore robes. So, I mean, it feels like more than their feet were dirty. But I guess in that time, no. So that's hard for because I mean, you didn't have running water, you had to go get a Basin, picture and mm-hmm. go and then bring it back and you know it was a long, hard process and you got dirtier just doing that. So bathing in and of itself was different than that it was than it was for us now. And so I think I've always thought of it in reference to that. Right. I don't know that I've ever thought of it as
0: a change of dialogue.
1: And their hearts were pure. Yeah. That even though Peter's blustering around, Jesus knows that Peter loves him. Jesus knows that if push comes to shove, Peter would die for him in that moment. He knows that, you know, and we'll see Peter in the garden kind of jump forward and jump into that, but Jesus knew their hearts. Right. And in that moment, the only one in the room that Jesus was like, you don't have my best interest. You don't have anybody else's best interest but you in mind.
0: And that was Judas. Yeah. But you'll see if you read through this passage, there's a second action Jesus does. And he gives Judas bread and says to him, go do what you must do.
1: Yeah. So throughout. But not even before, but giving him part of the bread. Yes. Judas. I don't know what he did to deserve to be the one that turned Jesus over. (laughs) Yeah. But even it just reminds me at the end of Genesis when Joseph is telling his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Yep. So it's that moment of Judas is out for himself and he's, you know, wants that 30 pieces of silver, kind of a greedy guy, just trying to line the coffers a little bit. And who knows, maybe he thought that they would get Jesus back. Maybe he had deluded himself into thinking that they couldn't possibly crucify him. Maybe they'll just put him in jail and we'll get him out. We'll, we'll, you know, it's all going to work out. But that he was used for that. So we all hate Judas and say, God, that guy. (sighs) Look what he did. But he was picked for that. I don't know why. I don't know what his... Because he clearly felt remorse after he
0: had done it. Right. He allowed himself to get into that position. Look, I there are some people who look at, and I tend to lean a little bit towards, there's some truth to these other interpretations of Judas that... Some say that, man, he was just tired of Jesus being stepped on and he was going to paint Jesus into a corner where the kingdom of God was going to have to come down now. And, you know, God would never, I I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but God is not going to ever, the father's not going to ever let Jesus be crucified, you know, paint him into a corner where the angels are going to have to come, the heavens are going to have to open and, you know.
1: Then we'll get our magnificent king. Yes, now we're
0: going to get, what, our kingdom of david back we want our land back we want to be outside of the hand of the oppressor okay it's our idea but this is so counter to what the kingdom of god is is supposed to be even in this little verse here where it says you know and you are clean but not every one of you all right you are clean but not every one of you there are several places in John's gospel where this the conversation is very cryptic. And and just if you're listening, you can go back through John chapter 3, the the conversation Jesus has with Nicodemus. It seems very cryptic. You know, I think John is using some language to make and force the reader to read between the lines a little bit. Right. And, and and so this is not clearly, I don't think this is the, the only time that it seems. A little, but it is interesting that with with John giving us a little bit of the prelude with Judas and then this section here, not every one of you. That one of them that Jesus could have been referring to is Judas. Not every one of you are clean. Okay, so it kind of moved a little bit. It's not about dirt anymore. It's about intentions. It's about motivation. It's about you know allowing Satan to uh, overtake you. When when Judas leaves the imagery, when Judas leaves the upper room, John says it was night. Now, does that mean it was night outside or was it night inside of Judas? So when he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garments. He resumed his place and he said to them, Do you know, do you understand what I have done to you? Now comes the teaching part, the very first teaching part, other than that little bit of teaching he had with Peter. This comes a teaching part here the disciples would not have heard this outside of the context of being served. They had just been served by Jesus, the Messiah. He says, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For that I am, for so I am. If then your teacher and Lord, if I have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. This is a beautiful moment where Jesus, in a nutshell, talks about his ministry and how he is about to pour out himself in the next few hours. I have served you in this way. Peter, you're going to one day understand and you're going to look back on the crucifixion and you're going to be able to say, and you poured out yourself there. And the words and the imagery and the, and the teaching and the moments and the flags in the sand where I go back and I look to and I replay in my mind's eye when I'm sinking on the water from thinking I can walk in the water and you reach out and you save me and you do all of these different things. Jesus, you poured out yourself in your ministry, with us, with other people, the crowds, but ultimately for all humanity from the beginning of time to the end of time so that they could be in relationship with you. It's amazing. Do you see this happening throughout Scripture where people find themselves in moments of being servants? when they're not really in a place where they have to be a servant. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and it's easy in the context of the passage when he says, do you understand that he's actually talking to his disciples and rightly so, but these words have been preserved for us and we have them for us today. So maybe Jesus is asking us today Do you understand? Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me Lord and teacher, and you are right, for that is what I am. And if then I, as your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Our prayer is that through these moments that we share uh, with you and these moments that you invite us into your lives, our prayer is really centered around that you would know not only what Jesus has done, but to know that God in so many ways has deliberately and intentionally reached out to you and he loves you and he has ultimately through his son served you and given himself for you all for the purpose of you being able to be in fellowship with him, all for the purpose of giving you hope, all for the purpose of the kingdom of God becoming real to you and it being at hand for you, all for the purpose of you and I being complete, living into that purpose that we were originally created to have fellowship with him. That is our prayer. That is our hope. And that is, God willing, our desire. Amen.